Today's episode is sponsored by Loot Crate, the subscription box for the geek, gamer, or nerd in pretty much all of us, because let's be honest, we're, we're all kind of nerdy. For less than $20 a month, you get six to eight items of gamer, pop culture, licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, basically unique one-of-a-kind items that you cannot get anywhere else. Make sure to head to lootcrate.com backslash words and enter the code words to save $3 on any new subscriptions. The year thus far has been pretty awesome for Loot Crate. Items from Star Wars, Voltron, just really, really fun stuff that will get your nostalgia juices flowing. This month's crate is all about covert operations. They're very secretive. They obviously don't want to let you know, but... The stuff that I've seen that they've sent out before is awesome. So remember, lootcrate.com backslash words, enter the code words to save $3 off of your new subscription. So you have until the 19th before 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to sign up for this. Lootcrate.com backslash words, enter the code words, $3 off. Do it up. Welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm enunciating this in different ways because, uh, you know, frankly, I get bored of my own interests as well. Maybe some of you do. Maybe some of you are like, oh, wow, like you say the same exact thing over and over for every intro. And it's just, you just get into pattern. It's just hard to break that pattern because it's, uh, you know, it's comfortable. It's like a little security blanket. So I know how to start these things off appropriately. But anyways, that's not what you came here. You came here to listen to a hopefully inspiring, engaging, insert other adjective in here, conversation with a person who is involved in doing cool stuff within independent culture and more specifically within music. And that person this week is Adam Blake. He is the guitarist for H2O and he also played, uh, if I'm not mistaken, bass in Shelter. You'll be able to hear, we obviously referenced that in our interview, some items out of the way in regards to things that uh, the show... Uh, wants to be engaging with you, the listener, on. The show is basically, it's, it's locked into a pattern, and I'm really, really enjoying it, and it's really fun. Some things may be changing in the near future in regards to my time commitments towards the show. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that won't be the case, but uh, there may be th- some things where stuff will need to change because, obviously, I don't do this as a full-time job. I would love for you to all of a sudden feel that you need to give me money in order to make this my full-time job. But I, I, I have no illusions about that. I understand that. But I just wanted to give you a heads up. I feel that's my responsibility. You and me having a relationship, albeit one-sided. Some of you know me, and that's obviously awesome. But there are many of you who I've never corresponded with. And uh, I just wa- I want to be in love with you. I don't want you to be all of a sudden surprised where it's like one week. I'm like, oh, hey, this show is going to end. And I'm not saying that's going to happen. I don't want to sound alarmist by any capacity. But uh, my time may be more shifting around to where, um, yeah, I just won't have as much of it as, as I used to. But anyways... I'm, I don't mean to sound so vague, but because I just want to be honest with you, because ultimately that's what this whole thing is here about. The conversations I have with people are from a very honest and hopefully inspiring place. But anyway, so there's that. Um, there's, there's just a lot of stuff that's up in the air right now with me in a positive way. I'm just going to have to be making some larger decisions uh, in my life. And I, I'm frankly, I'm excited about that. I'm not 
I know a lot of people, whether it's like a new job opportunity or whether it's like, oh, I need to move and like all these things are really stressful to people. In certain respects, I kind of thrive off it where I'm just like, all right, if you give me the opportunity, I will be excited to do it. And so that's kind of where, uh, where I'm at in so many different respects. So anyways, I, I will be, I promise once some things shake out, I will be more open and more detail oriented because I hate it when people speak in generalities and I, that's what I'm doing to you right now. So, uh, I apologize, but themed month that we just had in October was extremely successful. Thank you to everyone who downloaded and interacted with the show in ways that, um, you know, maybe you hadn't listened to the show before. I find I pick up a lot of new listeners that uh, are very interested in whatever themed month I'm having. So, um, you know, I was excited to uh, hopefully get some of you along for this ride because ultimately I want you to be downloading every single episode regardless of the guest. And those are the people that I am I'm trying to connect with. Like I really want to be, I don't want to be a radio show in the sense of I want to be in your ears five days a week. I don't want that. But what I want is for you to be looking forward to the, when this thing comes out. When I put it out on a Wednesday or a Thursday, I want you to be like, man, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the guest. I'm really looking forward to that conversation. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place right now. I'm highly caffeinated, and that's probably why I am all over the place. But the conversation I had with Adam Blake, this was something we did a while ago. He came over to my house, and, man, like, I knew I liked him on a sort of person-to-person level already because we had hung out a few times previous to this. But after our conversation, I was like, Oh, Adam, just great. He was so open, so honest about his life that I was, uh, frankly, I was taken aback. There are moments when, um, you know, I feel like some people may come in with trying to be, uh, you know, protective over their their image or who they are as a person. Um, but anytime a person comes in here and is just like, oh, yeah, I'm an open book, and then they actually deliver on that, I'm, I'm so excited about that. So uh, Adam came over to my home studio or house, as I like to call it. <laughs> And we sat around my kitchen table and had a very great discussion. He has so many awesome experiences and so many lessons to uh, be taught and also learn himself. We went into so many different places. But anyways, without further rambling, and I promise I will do the next intro a little less caffeinated <laughs> because I do feel a little manic right now. But uh, yeah, without further ado, here's my discussion with Adam, and I will talk to you after the conversation is over. remember because like the first time i actually met you in person was when we had that lovely lunch at cafe gratitude cafe gratitude and it was it was one of those things i i had been aware of what you had done in the past you know as mm-hmm. far as you being h2 and everything um but i, I was uh, you're very charming thanks you're Thank welcome you. Thank it, you. it was it, what i actually like to call define these people yourself included where you're an easy hang where it's like generally speaking you could kind of like plug yourself into different groups of people and you can generally navigate in there okay. Yeah, it's been a life skill that I've had to develop. Oh, really? Yeah. You were not easy to hang out at one point? Uh, well, <laughs> if, you, if you really want to get into it, when I was younger, um, my mother refers to me as having been painfully shy. Oh, interesting. And uh, if I'm talking about a subject that is taboo for this podcast, please let me know. But I have to say... Yes. Um, Oh, this is terrible to say this because no, I'm, okay. I'm worried There's the young no, kids are listening. No, no judgment. For me personally, my gateway from being painfully shy to being able to be social was drugs and alcohol. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's not necessarily like the positive party line, but the truth be told, I was 
really withdrawn as a kid, and mm-hmm. they gave me a little boost of confidence sure. that kind of took me out of myself. And then I didn't need them anymore to, to continue. Right. With you, you felt what it was yeah, like. Yeah, I the- felt what it was like on the other side, and I was able to go with it. Um, and then just throughout life, having, you know, traveled a lot, been in different bands, lived in a high Christian temple. Right. Kind of just... You kind of just learn to be you wherever you are. Right, right. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I definitely, I, I mean, I, I appreciate you bringing that up because they're definitely, I mean, there's a reason that alcohol is called a social lubricant. It absolutely. I mean, for me, it absolutely was. Totally. But in England, you kind of, it's kind of compulsory. You have to drink at 13 in England <laughs> or they throw you in prison. No, I, yeah. totally. Culturally yeah. speaking, yeah. it's so yeah. different yeah. from oh, yeah. that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a world of difference, man. Totally. It's, it's just difference. like, here, here, here yeah. this is in your yeah. bottle, right? Yeah. yeah, you get milk and whiskey. Just warm me up yeah, for the world. Yeah. When you're a baby, they're not sure if you if you can walk yet or if you're just too drunk to walk. They can't tell. <laughs> that's, so, yeah. that's so perfect. Well, I, but I, I do appreciate that because I, I I do think that is a, that is a skill for you to be able to, like I said, sort of integrate within most situations and kind of be like and have people walking away. At, like Adam's a cool dude. He seems on the level, you know. Like because I mean, some people don't have that. It, I genuine. I think it's because I genuinely find a lot of people in. Okay. And I'm okay with listening. You know? I think that's big. Yeah. Because people will show you who they are if you give them enough time, big enough window to do It's a very good point. You know? So just right. sitting back, listening, into helping push the conversation along without necessarily trying to dominate it. it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's very I mean, those are those are very mature things to be able to like. Well, I'm full, I'm over forty. So. No, it's yeah. true. But I mean, yeah. well, you you, you don't look yeah. over twenty five. Thanks, so. man. Thank you, thank you. I only I only wish this podcast came with photographs so people could see. <laughs> so you were you were born and raised in the UK. Yes. Where in particular? I was born in Kingston, Surrey, and I grew up kind of within you know a stone's throw of that. So that's actually what's called one. Of, I think it's a home county, which is like. A suburb of a suburb, like okay. it's outside London. Um, but then London was where kind of all my shit went down. You know, right. That's kind of where I would take the subway in every weekend, a couple of times a week to hang out. It's where I, did, where I first went to concerts, mm-hmm. where me and all my friends would go. You know, the area I lived in was, um, it was not the kind of area you wanted to hang out in. Uh, was it was it a little seedy, I guess you would say? It was or sketchy, was it- yeah. Okay. I mean... It was a place called Hounslow, was was where I kind of like went into my from my early teens okay. on. That's kind of like your formative years, right? Where you're kind of becoming a person. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was some there was some like some like cr- criminal activity. You could yeah, have fallen it was, into gangs. Well, it was weird because no, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have fallen into gangs purely because ethnically I wouldn't have been allowed uh, to be. It was right. very there was a lot of believe it or not Indian gangs. Okay, interesting. Which Americans are like, huh? Totally. But it's like in, in that part of the world, in, in, in Hounslow, it was, it was common. I mean, it kind of makes sense. You've got all these people coming to England mm-hmm. from India, and they and like English people love them to death, but they're not always the warmest bunch when people kind of mm-hmm. come over. So they're getting the shit kicked out of them. They're getting all this abuse. So, of course, they toughen up, right? right. You know what I mean? i like, got to get some friends. To yeah, they, right. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, so there was some of that going on. There was a lot of um, just like street crime and stuff like that like right. it wasn't the kind of area i really wanted to hang out in sure you know i you got I got, a, I got attacked with machetes on one occasion oh my god yeah just for like simply existing and walking by simply for walking down the street a car pulled up i had a bunch of guys jumped out yelled at me for for the color of my skin i'm like whoa this is this is interesting this is what it feels like huh right. and a machete tire iron and I gotta say, I don't know how fast Usain Bolt is, but right. I'm pretty sure that I like 
probably matched his right. 100 meters time. Wow. So just, I, just hit the road. Fuck yeah. Right. I yeah. see a machete. This is right. I'm, not, I'm not hanging around. I'm out. I'm out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was so it was interesting. Interesting. But like London was always like way more diverse. I loved it. It just had this energy to it. It's an international city. And that's always where I would go and hang out. Right. Right. And so what was your uh, what was your family structure like? Like mother and father, yeah. brothers and sisters? Mom, pop been together. I was at the wedding. Um, <laughs> I was mad small, but I was at the wedding. Sure. Um, and uh, I got a younger brother who in some ways has surpassed me in maturity levels in that he's has two kids, like a real kind of career. You know, right. he's he's almost like a role model to me in some ways now. Right. He's you know? an adult. Yeah. He's a grown ass <laughs> man. And I'm still trying to figure it out. Right. Yeah. Interesting. OK. And so what did your what is your family? What were your family professions? Like what were your mom and dad? Uh, doing? My dad was in I guess you would call it construction. He was a rigger. Oh, okay. So his job was essentially moving heavy machinery, setting up those giant cranes, kind of all that kind of stuff. And he would travel a ton for work. So a lot of my upbringing, he wasn't around for. He would come. He was a big old drunk too. Really? Big old drunk. Yeah, he'd come home. Hope my dad doesn't listen to this. He would. Uh, he would come home from like a long trip. I, I almost had come home from tour. It's so weird. But he would come home from like a long trip where he'd been away for like a month. Say hi to my mom. Say hi to us. Um, go straight to the bar. Okay. Just come home like hammered. Sure. And my mom was, was the homemaker. She had jobs, but it was always like she would always make sure she had... Yeah, she had to take care of you guys. She right. had to take care of us. But a lot of it was just me and my brother just running crazy, rampant. Yeah, my parents are wicked liberal, too. Like, looking back, I'm like, wow, super liberal, actually. Right, like no curfews, like you had no... Like bongs at, bong hits at the Christmas dinner table. Oh, got it. Go yeah. right there, there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, they were like... I mean, it's weird, because I always think my parents were like straight-laced, but when I like hear other people's stories, I'm like, huh, maybe... Because you only got one set of parents, right? Like, what's your comparison? That was your normal. What's right. your, yeah, what's, your, what's normal? Uh-huh. Like, for me, that was normal. Like, very, like, very kind of open, freedom, open discussion, like... You know, my mom especially. My dad, my dad was was almost like he was sketchily close to wanting to be a party buddy at some points. Okay, you know, he's always you know he's my dad, but he's, he, of he's, he's got a young mind too. He's like kind of like kind of like I am. Sure. Yeah. Right. That's it. Yeah, that's a very interesting environment, and I, mean, I do like the point that you make where it's like, especially like I, I'm coming at it from where it's like I'm a father to a four year old child, right. and I, when you have a child or when you exist around children, you do understand the concept of just like. Parents have no fucking clue what they're doing. No, it's, 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 it's like, it's, it's, I've heard it referred to as you have nine months or ten months, however long it is, where everyone's like, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? And then you have the baby, they hand you the baby, they're like, okay, off you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my word. Like, you're, you're responsible for the raising of a human being. Like, it's, it's like, and it's not like it's, a, it, it's like, the, the, at least the first one. Yeah. Like, you've got to figure it out. <laughs> totally. You've, yeah, you've got, and, and you realize too, where it's just like, like you're reflecting yeah, on yeah. looking at your parents, yeah. where you're just like, that was my normal. Yeah. That's not in anyone yeah. else's normal. Yeah. And you're just like, and all your parents yeah. were doing is they're just like, oh, we're yeah. doing the best we can. And if you mess up, you, yeah. it's big. You that know? stays with you for yeah. 30 years. Yeah, or beyond. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You no, know, it's crazy. Yeah. But it's, I mean, like you said, to be able to observe something like that and then retroactively go back and yeah. be like, oh, so that isn't normal. Yeah. Like smoking weed in front of yeah. me or whatever. But I mean, I mean, that's also, you know, that's not. A harmful way to grow up, either. No. I mean, it's it certainly made straight edge feel a hell of a lot more rebellious when I discovered it. <laughs> totally, you know? like not only am I, I going like, I'll to show them. I'll stop taking all drugs. I'll stop drinking. I'll get my life in order. That'll teach my parents. Totally. I'll teach them like, a lesson. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I might yeah. even go to school. How about that? 
Take that, Mom Paul. Try, try that one on for size. Yeah. Um, and so did you, uh, you know, as you started to, like you said, become a human being and obviously go to London and start to develop an identity, um, what sort of kid did you find yourself being? Were you, you know, rambunctious? Were you, did you care about school? Like, where, uh, did you, where were you well, traveling? I would describe myself as, as a constant seeker. Okay. You know, like, I would, I would move around from different groups of friends, and, and I, was, I would say I was fairly easily influenced because uh, I would buy any idea that someone told me for about two weeks. Okay. And then I'd be like, wait a second, this is crap. You were, you were a sampler. You were- yeah, I was like, I was kind of dabbling in a lot of different things to see what I felt fit. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Um, Give me some examples of the, of the things well, that you were, you were like, sampling at that time. Like, for example, let me, I, know, I, I can't I, even remember. Like, it could even be like a dress style, like a fashion right. style. You know what I mean? Or a certain... You know, like, hey, we, we, my, that guy wears that shirt. I like that shirt. I'm going to wear it too. And I'd wonder, look in the mirror and be like, I look like you know, ridiculous. You know, it's like <laughs> that kind of thing, you totally, know? Totally, totally. Um, and I would say that I was also a person who, uh, who kind of, looking back, I asked a lot of questions that ended up kind of, the answers I discovered turned out to be correct. For example, I, when I was... F- 15, I pretty much stopped going to most classes. Okay. Um, because I started asking myself, well, if I follow this path, where does it lead? And I'd be, you know, basic math, I totally understood the need for. Basic arithmetic, I understood the need for. Once we got into algebra, I was like, huh? What's, what's this all about? Like, right. what's the upside to me learning this? And, and I was like, eh, fuck it. I'm going to go do something else with my time. Okay. I'm going to go, I'll, I'll, I'm going to just just step outside those gates. I'll come back later for this English class that I like, or, or, you know, the drama class that I like, I'll skip out on the ones that I thought were whack. And it turns out like I'm 42 years old, turning 43, never needed algebra. Right. Hasn't come up. My lack of algebra skills has never become apparent. So that's the, I look back and I'm like, that's a little bit of a window into kind of my thought process. Like I, I look for the why, you know, like right. why, why am I doing this? And I and I and if I don't find an answer, there's a strong strong chance that I'll stop doing it fairly right. fairly quickly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you were that. I mean, that is interesting because I definitely think that I think most kids obviously feel that same experience of what you're talking about. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, what am I going to do this? Why go to yeah. school? And like, yeah. you you ask why, but then the the step of action is usually yeah. never like you just don't think that's an yeah. option. Yeah. Th- though that being said, if when I have children, God help them if they try and skip out of algebra. <laughs> totally. <laughs> God help me. Yeah, do do as I what yeah, as I say. Yeah. Do as I say, not as yeah, I do. Do as I say, not as I do. But well, I mean, I mean, you it's know, like, an important point. To, yeah, to realize. Yeah, like I always kind of knew what I wanted to do when I when I discovered music. It, that was it, man. Burn the ships. Um, I'm good. This is this right. is where I want to go. And uh, how did and how did that kind of infiltrate you initially? Well, it's it's funny. Like I I because uh, you were the older brother, you didn't have yeah, the luxury so of it, it having that. Came from school. I was in school, and I never really was like a music person you know what i mean like i would listen like anyone like i was your average i don't know like your average civilian i guess in quotations like i like music it was in the background yeah it's cool but i was never like into it and i uh became friends with a bunch of like heavy metal dude long head they were like the long haired heavy metal dudes at school and we just kind of clicked you know um i can't remember if i got into dungeons and dragons before i got into music or if it happened at the same time but it was like a D role-playing kind yeah. of thing um one of them was like, you gotta listen to to this music. And he he would he fucked up because he would play me. He would try and like he tried to make like early Slayer like my gateway drug. This is like eighty maybe it wasn't even Slayer, I don't know, eighty six, eighty seven. You know okay. what I mean? Like around then, I'm like, 
man, this is just, this is noise. Yep. And then he's like, and it, it's weird because you can like look at these moments in, in your life, I think everyone has them, where if you cast your mind back, you're right there. You know what I mean? And it's like... Super vivid, right? It's super vivid because it's such a profound moment in, in, in your, your journey. And he gave me Dio's last in line cassette. Cassette, right? Cassette, like like a copied, like yep. copied cassette. And I put it on and I didn't make it past the first song for like an hour. I just kept rewinding it. Being like, I felt like it was like a roller coaster. Like my, my arm hairs are standing up right now when yeah, I tell yeah. the story because I can feel it again. Like I felt like it was like an emotional, spiritual, metaphysical roller coaster. Like the way that music made me feel. And then from then on, it was over. Right. Then it was Maiden. Maiden was like, Maiden to this day. New record comes out today, by the way. Right, right. Um, <laughs> Um, you know, and I, it was just, man, I was like a metalhead, you know, and I was a true believer, you know, I, I when I was young, I cu- I took a razor blade and carved O-Z-Z-Y into my arm. Sure. As one does. As one does, you know, I was more being, being Satan and all that at the of time. Course. I was like, you know, so. That's true because, yeah, I mean, at that time at too. At that time, there was no internet. So you right. believed it. Like you believe like, man, this, this Aussie guy's crazy. Right. Um, what he's portraying on his records yeah, is him. him. Right. It's, it's, it's such a different, it's. It's such a different world, and I think it... I mean, not to sound like a Luddite, but I think it's such a shame that kids will never have that pure separation between the art and the artist. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Again. Totally. It's never going to happen again. There's never going to be an artist that you can't find out. You know, you, that picture of Glenn Danzig with cat litter. Right. You know, that's like... It's a shitty picture. When I was a kid, that would have bummed me out. I would have been so bummed to see that. I'd be like, it's fucking Danzig. Totally. I don't even, I even want to think about Danzig, except he's either on stage... Or worshiping Satan. That's it. That's all right. Danzig does. Play Period. shows, worship the devil. That's right. it. And you know, it's like, well, yeah, because I mean, it is it is an interesting point because it's like obviously the premium is paid now yeah. on people sharing, yeah, their lives for sure. And so it's like now, yeah, but back then that didn't exist because all you had was what they put right. out and, physically, and you would discover things through their subtle like recommendation like i'm sure you come from hardcore so i'm sure mm-hmm. you remember the days of scouring the thanks list for, sure. for bands that they thanked right like oh buying records have, that yeah. have no you have no yeah. idea what they yeah. sound like i remember seeing like far side get thanked on like four or five albums and i was like i gotta get a far side record gotta get a far side record have to they're cool far side's cool they're liked by these bands i gotta get it and that's how you would it was one of the ways you know it was right and it was like you kind of felt like you're a little bit of a of a prospect at digging for gold. You know what I mean? You you couldn't be lazy. It wasn't going to just show up in your inbox. No. You had to go find it. Right. And, like, and, you, I, and you and you may and because of that, I think what the the way that I tried to describe that time too is like it was devoid of context. Like totally. you you were able to sample stuff in regards to like just buying records yeah. completely sight unseen. Yeah. And then you got burned a lot because you were just like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. Like this sucks, but I bought it, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get yeah. into it. You know? Oh yeah, for sure. But then you you would you would have no uh, frame of reference for like maybe you're like, okay, the band is from New York. Like that's probably yeah. all that yeah. I know about them. For sure. Like like I remember the Mike Judge solo record. Sure. And and that's the record I grew to to appreciate a lot more over the years but when i bought it oh. i was stoked i was like oh shit it's going down judge records on go getting ready getting ready and i'm like and literally i'm taking the record off being like they probably put the wrong <laughs> label on this record is this it's i know this isn't doesn't sound anything like it right. and uh with the internet i probably at that age when i was very partisan in what i liked i wouldn't have probably even listened to it right. i mean it turns out to be a record that i loved over time but it's still yeah, it's yeah. different, man. Like I love that idea of like passing the cassette along, like, check this new shit out. Right. You know what I mean, here's here's a record, here's the music, 
here's maybe a, a picture and maybe a couple other pictures right. and some artwork. That's it. I, I also think it's really important, too, what you were talking about in regards to you being into role-playing in Dungeons yeah. & Dragons because it's like the metal in Dungeons & Dragons are obviously intertwined beyond anything that, that most people would even understand. Like, you know, role-playing games that exist now, they're not attached to a particular music scene. No. But it's like both of those were just like, oh, Aaron. yeah, I can, I can slay dragons while listening to Dio. Yeah, you know? like, and it makes total sense. Totally. It's total sense. It's like this, it's, it's, it was definitely like a very much of a lifestyle, you know, like... If you look at the rest of, of H2O, they definitely came from, like, kind of much more of, much more of a hardcore background. I definitely, my gateway was metal. Yeah. For sure. No, no. That's... Full on, long hair. Like, I remember growing my hair, like, oh, it's below my ears. Oh, it's on my shoulder. Oh, it's on my nipples now. You know, you get right. sight, like, these little, like, milestones of how metal you were. <laughs> and then, were you, did yeah. you adopt the fashion as well? Were Fuck, you... yeah. Oh, denim and leather, all that shit. Totally. All of it. Studs, Skin tight jeans. Oh, tight high tops. Tight fuck. All that. All that. I, lo- all I that. love that. But, I, but because it... All that. To me, it's like it's one of those things where it's like when you commit to something and you wear like in hindsight, what is the most ridiculous stuff possible? You're just like, dude, because I believed it. it I lived it. Yeah, I mean, and I believed it enough that essentially becoming a metalhead for me was taking a vow of celibacy. Girls were like, you're gross. You're gross. And also basically making yourself a target. Like there was a there was a thing a few years like I'm living, let live pretty much. Right. But there was this thing a few years ago where people were like hipsters were wearing like metal shirts. Yeah. I genuinely got mad at that because I was like, when I was young, like people would like yell at, you know, and I know that's something that, that metalheads and punk rock people have in common. Like mm-hmm. you would catch abuse from a lot of people just from. Right. The way you look. Yeah. Right. The way you looked and what you were about. And you might be, you might have the best intention in the world, but you look kind of weird. <laughs> people don't like that. Not at all. Very strange. The, um, and so what, uh, I mean, obviously, you came to the United States. Mm-hmm. When did you come to, like, how, how did, right. did you play in bands over there? Like, I, how okay, you... so I played, I, I, when I stopped going to regular school, mm-hmm. um, I actually, it's funny, I actually told my, my guidance counselor, I'm going to move to America and join a band. She didn't, she was nice enough not to laugh in my face, but. When you were 15, you told her this? Yeah, I think it was 15 or 16, yeah. That's I mean, unbelievable. It was, yeah, it was, <laughs> just it's weird. It. It's like a manifestation of a reality that I always wanted. Right. And you're like, I'm going to put this into the world. So and then, yeah. I fell in love with hardcore music okay. because metal's awesome, but you can only be so evil. You know, it starts to like get a little, you know, you start to see the, the pantomime of it all. You totally. know? The theatrics yeah. are like, oh, wow, yeah. I could never do that. Yeah. I could never yeah. get on stage. Yeah. And, yeah. And then hardcore just, it had such a great energy, you know, like Gorilla Biscuit's first record. Man. It's funny, like, I, I, I tell this story and it seems ridiculous, but how I got into to, to hardcore was through a lot of the straight-edge bands. And the funny thing is, is straight-edge bands make some of the best music to get drunk to. You know, sure, like, it's, it's true. so, like, energetic and it's totally. a lot very positive and it's kind of sing-along when it's done well. And it was, you know. I mean, it's, and, it's like dudes getting drunk in a bar. Yeah. It's chanting. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I became, I became very inspired by that side of things. And, uh, and so I, this, this was like late. This was like this late was, 80s, early yeah, 90s. This is prob- this is late eighties, early nineties. It's probably moving into early nineties, cool. ninety. Yeah, probably. so yeah, you could was, you could see the yeah. proverbial scene yeah. that was developing. But, in the but I mean, in England, it was. I don't know how it was over here because I wasn't here. But like, hardcore kids were very open minded. Like through hard, through being involved with hardcore and hardcore kids, I was going to see Nick Cave shows in like Henry's Dream Tour. What's that like ninety ninety one? Sure, when sure. every single night he did in London. Going to see, you know, Swerve Driver. Going to see Reggie Gets the Machine's first show. Going to see Caius's first show over there. That's incredible. Yeah, like, so it was weird because it was like almost 
the tip of the spear for alternative music. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Was like the hard, hardcore scene was definitely like ahead of everyone else for that. Right. So you would go to see all these bands, and then like three months later, there'd be you know, Faith No More's first show on the Real Thing tour. You know, Sepultura's first show. Like it was always hardcore kids were there. That was just kind of what people did because you went to go out to a show, preferably a show where you could throw yourself off stage, and it was mm-hmm. except. Um, right. And then I was a huge fan of Ray Kappel, Ragnarok. Like to me, he's still one of the greatest lyricists. Mm-hmm. And you know, through music and inspirational force for me, um, and through Shelter, I became really interested. Like I said, I was a seeker as a, as a kid, and I, I kind of feel I've always had that with me in spirituality. Sure. And what I liked about his lyrics were that he spoke. He never really gave a lot of answers. He just asked all the right questions. It's very true. Yeah. So he's always like, you know, are you just this body? And really think about it, probably not. I, I certainly hope not, you know. And so he, he kind of very gently through lyrics led you to down the path. And, and I discovered Christian consciousness at the same time I decided to go to music school. Okay. So I went to a one-year full-time music program um, studying electric bass. So um, Why did you choose bass? It's funny. Like, I actually, originally I picked up a guitar. Like, I was playing guitar the whole time. I was a metalhead. As soon as, as, soon as my hair, grow my hair, buy a leather jacket, buy a guitar. Right. Learn to play guitar. Um, fingers bled, all that traditional stuff. <laughs> Hours, you know, staying in my room. Shredding. <laughs> Shredding's an <laughs> Shredding. exaggeration, man. Um, right. Shredding my fingers, maybe. Okay. Um, and then, like, because I was a giant Iron Maiden fan, Steve Harris was always, like, my dude. But I'd yet to learn the real difference between bass and guitar. And I was like, huh, Steve's got four strings. And Dave and Adrian got six. I got six. I'm on four. I'm on what he's got. So I figured out, oh, it's, this oh, it's is bass. bass. And then so I got a bass and I, I switched to bass and I started playing bass. Plus, it seemed like everyone was playing guitar. Right. You know? You wanted a yin when everyone yeah, else was yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. So everyone's playing guitar, someone's got to play bass, right? Um, so I started playing bass and then I went to music school. And I was in like this like grindcore band that put out some records over there, but after I was in them. Okay. Um, and studied music. And that was another one of those where if I'd have followed my thought pattern that I that took me out of regular school, I should have probably dropped out of music school. But because it was music, I gritted my teeth and kind of bed with it. I'm like, okay, jazz class, jazz lab. I'm going to play jazz. I mean, the one thing about it, it forced me to really, it really ripped my ears wide open. Sure. Because they're like, you got to listen to this. you got to listen to that. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do, do this. So you end up opening your ears to a bunch of stuff. And I discovered some music that to this day is some of my favorites. Right. But it was like, man, I, don't, I ain't going to need this. Yeah, this is algebra to me. Yeah, right. I'm not going to need this. It is algebra of music. I'm, I'm not going to need this. But... Right. I'm going to stick with it because music, you do it. And, uh, and then I met at the Harry Krishna Temple in London where I go on Sunday for f- the free feast, a guy that was in shelter. Okay. A guy called uh, Graham Land or, or Gayatri Das, as his initiated name was. Okay. And we became friends. He knows at music school, he knows a devotee. He was playing bass in shelter at the time. Okay. And he went back to America and he wanted to stop doing shelter for, you know, whatever reason. And he had a dream that I took his place. Wow. Right? That's what, I, that's what I said earlier about, like, manifesting reality just by your pure desire to make it so. Uh-huh. So Shelter's my favorite band in the world. Ray Capo is my favorite lyricist spreading a message that I truly believe in. I'm in music school and I'm a Hare Krishna. It's like opportunity meets preparation. Totally. And he calls me. Listen, crazy idea. You want to fly to New York and try it for Shelter? And I was like, <laughs> Yes. Of course. Like, I'm on a plane. And it's weird because I was I was wondering, what if I said no? What if I just chickened out? 
Sure. Man, what would I be doing? I mean, it's super intimidating. I mean, I was, I was in music school and I was working as a janitor at a printing press. Like, white, you know, yep. cloth, face mask, earphones, because the presses are so loud and there's so much ink in the air, like eye goggles. Like, this is my life. Right. So I said yes. Um, it was cool because I knew every sh- I already knew every, like I say, preparation. I already knew every shelter song. Right. Oh, you want to throw, throw me a B-side? I got it, you know? Sure, I'll step right yeah, in. Yeah, I got it. And I, and I, I flew out. To Brooklyn, I remember, I, once again, one of those moments, I remember the very first night, getting to Brooklyn, is terrified, hearing gunshots, this is oh, yeah. Brooklyn, there's uh, homeless shelter, Harry Krishna Temple, methadone clinic, Right. that's the road, right, so you can imagine what the streets are like, and just being terrified, waking up in the morning, meeting Ray and Purcell, and just being like, what am I doing here? It was like, it was weird. It was like being the Wizard of Oz. I was like, this is so weird. Like, you're not real people to me. You're, now you, be- yeah. you just became human. You stepped down from Olympus. Absolutely. And, uh, and then well, we went into rehearsal and our practice or, yeah. right, what was it? Audition. It was me, Ray, Cassell, Sammy. So at the top of the show, you heard me talk about this awesome subscription service called Loot Crate. Here's more info. They send you amazing exclusive stuff for basically $20 a month. You will get six to eight items of gamer, pop culture, licensed gear, apparel, toys, collectibles. Basically, the stuff that you would find at the best collectible comic book store, it comes right to your door. You don't even need to go out there and be like, oh, man, I got I to gotta buy this thing here. I want this thing to put on this shelf. You don't do any of that. So visit lootcrate.com backslash words and enter the code words to save $3 off of your subscription. And they've got, this month will be pretty rad. They're basically, they have a theme for each month and the month, the theme this month, they're all inspired by classic movie and video games releases, as well as pulling from pop culture franchise. Previous crates have included items from franchises like Star Wars, Marvel, The Walking Dead, Legend of Zelda. So that's gives you a context for what you're jumping into. And basically, every loot crate that hits your doorstep is like one of your close friends being like, hey, here's, here's a rad gift. How about you check out this stuff that I've really been into? And it takes the guesswork out of everything. It basically will, will loop you into the coolest stuff, and uh, it's just really exciting. Because, I mean, who doesn't love to receive mail once a month with exclusive collectible toys and figurines and everything else that you could possibly want? So like I said... Visit lootcrate.com backslash words and enter the code words for $3 off. You have until the 19th of this month before 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to get this month's subscription. So do it now. Just press pause. Go to lootcrate.com backslash words. Enter the code words, $3 off, and you will be basking in all of the pop culture, toy, memorabilia stuff you could possibly want. So thank you very much, Loot Crate. Now on with the show. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm in Utah today right now. Right. <laughs> and uh, so people that listen to this not, likely know hardcore, right? So they know yes. like how awesome that probably is to like oh, a hardcore fan. Absolutely. Fan. Like, this yeah, is great. Yeah. So we played all the Shelter songs and they, there was a discussion of perhaps my Hayek an issue because I'm not sure. I'm six feet, four inches tall. And Ragnarok and Parmananda, Ray and Purcell, are not the, lo- not the, you know, yeah. they're not the most statuesque of fellas. So, no, you know, so we decided that little crouching could work you know so got the gig moved to america we ran into the harry christian temple that's incredible yeah so what uh what 
what records did you play on for sure? I played on Mantra. Which is the record. But people, in, in people like opinion. it. People like Mantra. I'm very happy. That was my first ever real recording experience. I mean, that, that to me, that was the record that I enjoyed the Shelter stuff on Rev. Yeah. But that was the record where it was like, I saw you guys play at the barn in UC or in Riverside with Voodoo Glow Skulls, I think. I was, was I, if, if I don't it, know if, if I was in the band, I don't know what yours, but I switched to, I played bass on the record, but live I got. I say demoted, but it's not really demoted. I got switched to guitar. Oh, okay. And then Franklin came in and played bass. Yeah, I can't. I mean, I, yeah. I was, whatever, 16. Yeah. I, would, I yeah. didn't pay attention yeah, to anything besides. Bag enough. Charismatic, yeah, charismatic fellow. Totally. Um, so that's, that's mind blowing. At, yeah. at, at, at the time that you, you, were, you went to the States, like, <laughs> where did that sit in your parents' head where they were just like, oh my God, Adam? No, it's funny. Like I say, super liberal parents are like, all right, cool. Like, go for it. Just, just, don't, we'll be don't, here. just don't, be, don't be a Mooney. Don't get, don't get sucked into some crazy cult. And I was like, oh, well, maybe, hey, Christian Temple. Um, but they were cool that they met Shelter. The Shelter guy stayed at our house, Ragnar, apartment undercooked. My parents, uh, it was, it was like my parents have always been super supportive. That's incredible. Though. Um, it was pretty, uh, well, yeah, to step in from, like you said, the manifestation of the idea yeah. to the actual execution of it. And then to be in the middle yeah. of that. Cause I mean, that record yeah. cycle I'm sure was insane. It, it was, was Roadrunner. Was nuts, I mean, yeah. that so much yeah. money was flowing into oh, the cool. independent music scene at that point. Crazy. Because yeah. they, that was like, you know, I always equate it to where it's like, whatever, that was like, you know, 96-ish or so. And that was like the, maybe the third wave of bands where they're like, all right, this is going to be the next Nirvana oh, yeah. now. Oh, yeah. Well, that, when, I, when I went to H2O, that was really, you sure. know, everyone's getting signed. Major labels just like showing up at CBS. Anyone in the band? It's a contract, sign it. You it's know, it's contract. crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but with Shelter, it's weird because, I've, this is weird because in Christian consciousness, they say that Krishna has an arrangement, and if you want to serve, he will find service for you. Okay. And as hokey as it may sound to people listening out there, whatever your spiritual beliefs is, I truly believe that if that because I believed in the message so much and thought it was such a good thing, that I was given the opportunity to help spread it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, so... Yeah, it was, it's weird when looking back, it's so bizarre to me. Like, sure. Living in a temple, like what I what the way I went afterwards because I went real rock and roll, man. Right, like like dirt, like after shelter. Oh, or after, oh, oh, no, after sure. shelter. I was about to say, during I was shelter, like, during like, shelter, during shelter was pretty. You know, it was pretty, pretty tight shit. Pretty, pretty, pretty tight shit there. Yeah, they yeah, didn't yeah, they yeah. didn't want anyone running around doing anything silly. But uh, no, 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 yeah. But it was. Uh, so then after you 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 left you left shelter because uh, I mean essentially like after that record that record cycle it started to dwindle down. Yeah, I mean, towards the end of my my time at shelter, it just started becoming really kind of frustrating to me because I've told this story many times and it's not doesn't paint the other members of the band in the most favorable light. Yeah. So things didn't work out. Let's say that with shelter, yeah. and I decided that. You know, I was really miserable and I wasn't happy and they could feel it and it was just decided this isn't working out. You right. know, parting of the ways. But I became friends with H2O on our previous tour. God. So I go back to England and I remember I was like, what am I going to do now? I was like, well, I've got a whole bunch more life experience. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I'll, I don't know what I'll do. But I wasn't going to be happy cleaning printing presses anymore. You know what right. I mean? And then Rusty actually calls me up. He's like, you want to join H2O? I was like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Up on a plane, go back. Didn't even try out. Just learn the songs. We're playing a show. Great. I was in. Great. That was 96. <laughs> and that, that to me felt a lot more of a free situation. Um, Absolutely. Because th- those guys are like, everyone in HR is super open-minded. Yes. And they, they kind of like seeing me come out of myself, you know, because I've been the devotee for a long time. Right. You know? 
I, I always admired the uh, Hare Krishna movement, consciousness, mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. you like to call it. But how, how did you, how do you, I guess, transition out, for lack of a better term? Because obviously people um, do that. Yeah, I mean, like I mean, like, I mean yeah. it, it depends on your degree of involvement, you know. Uh-huh. I mean, I would say I was fired up. They call it fired up without it. Right. Probably for a year before joining Shelter okay. and probably for my first year being in shelter okay that's i mean that's a decent amount of time to Absolutely. be about it you know and then like i say like i'll start to ask questions with myself like eh, what's this leading then i just kind of just like i say because of stuff that happened within the band i was kind of burnt on the whole thing and then well i mean and, and to be clear too it's like it, it, it is one of those things where it's like there was uh, there's an all-consuming nature to a band that has a movement such as what shelter for sure, for sure. like it's not just joining a band no it's not it's you 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 represent something to i mean it was crazy like we'd play shows and they'd be like for the show there'd be a harry krishna pit of them just chanting right you know and yeah it's, it just i just want to make sure that i put that in context yeah. because it's like that there there's definitely something that's more um that i mean it's just obviously not present now yeah it was still the str- the strangest experience i've had because the spirituality and the music really met you know, you would have Harry Krishnas and Mass come to shows that had no idea about hardcore. Right. No idea. They were just there to chant Harry Krishna, serve food, light incense, and dance. And then you had hardcore kids who were there to, like, you know, go off. And it was this crazy, like, meeting of the worlds, you know? Right, right. And, uh, yeah, I remember just, I remember we played everywhere, like, especially Europe. Because Euro- Europeans, they get into shit. You know of what course. I mean? They would be nuts. It was just a strange time. We playing. We played like went to Scandinavia. Played with Refused over there. That was cool. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I guess I put that on the list of cool bands I saw. Like <laughs> yeah, of course. Well. It's a pretty long list of those. And, uh, right. And just the energy was just it was different, you know. And then absolutely different to regular shows because you really had like that. It was an event. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And then I don't. Th- I just kind of think that just died out for Shelter as a whole. You know? It did. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Well, it. I mean, to be and to be frank. It's really hard to sustain. Yeah, that absolutely energy. it is. Absolutely it is. So absolutely it's like it no matter what, you're gonna run into a certain yeah. wall. And then when the person who is viewed as an icon to that yeah. particular movement, yeah. when they run into the uh, just keeping up that energy level, yeah. that's when other people are just like, well, I don't know, maybe I'm not yeah. as into it. It's yeah. like yeah. that's just that's for just sure. what happens. For sure, for sure. I mean, it was definitely a star that burned very bright and then kind of dwindled out, you know? Totally. I mean, I know that Ragnarok and Parliament Under are both still devotional in their ways, you know? Right, right, right. But yeah, I mean, if you look at the list, people that are in shelter, like the amount of members, you throw a rock any random place, there's a good chance you might hit one. There's a ton of us. Like, ex-shelter members, totally. it's deep double figures, man. Like, the amount of people that, like, have stepped on stage with that man. I just happen to have been one of the people that was lucky enough to be there at kind of the peak Absolutely. peak of the wave where, where it was like kind of a bigger, bigger situation totally yeah there were a lot of eyes on you guys yeah. and so then you were you were uh and, and so then you basically you just felt less uh attached to that yeah, movement I felt less so attached, sort of, yeah let's attach to the to the to my bandmates as a whole i just kind of like like a satellite floating you know yeah. felt like a fake kind of you know sure sure and h2o was a much better fit i mean those are like those are my brothers right i mean and did you so then when you you were in the uk and you flew back to join yeah i flew back again and then so then at that point you were just living in the states then i just yeah yeah, okay yeah according to your government to this day i'm still an alien and of extraordinary ability all that oh so you have to petition every so often well i petition every three years yeah but i'm married i mean now it's just a formality but right 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 uh, alien of extraordinary ability (laughs) 
I like that. I like that. I totally love that. The so was it uh, just because you obviously since you didn't live in New York City and like you said you kind of were able to experience the um, you know the weird nature that is that city and then obviously the scene. Um, H2O I always thought was this weird band in the sense of like obviously it came from New York City mm-hmm. obviously it came from a lot of the violent tendencies that happened in New York City mm-hmm. uh, but H2O was never a part of that but you were tangentially always you always had people that were in like yeah. you said satellites and in your orbit yeah. so was it weird being kind of like airdropped into a situation like in 96 of just being like oh so like I was already familiar with H2O and I'm very excited to join but then it's like there's all these like yeah it was, it was strange like I remember like because there were people that because I lived in the temple and, and they were never like, they were never like trash taught, but they were discussed in the terms reserved for like criminal masterminds. You know what I mean? Okay. The guys in bands, you know, that I would, that I would meet through H2O on a social level. And I was like, man, this, this guy's cool. I'd be terrified to meet him though. You know, I'd be like, and I don't want to meet that guy. His reputation, His precedes, reputation him, right? precedes him by far, you know, and right. they tend to be like the greatest guys in the world, you know? Right. Right. Um, it was weird because, no pun intended, but I'd been quite sheltered up to that point in New sure, York City. Sure. Like, my life was the Harry Christian Temple and walking around by myself. That was it. Right. That was it. My social life just exploded. Like, I was meeting all these people. I was hanging out. Um, we went on tour with Murphy's Law, and they're like, yeah, this guy's ready to go. Let's get him drunk. And that was my, that was the breaking of the edge. Okay, if you're nice. gonna break edge, break edge with Jimmy Gestapo. I almost yeah. feel like you get a pass for that, you know. It's true. There, there definitely yeah. there are a few people yeah. who are just like that's yeah. okay to break yeah, edge. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna break edge, break edge with, with with Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy's an okay gateway for you. And, and Todd Youth was a big part of it too. And sure, we went out in New Orleans. They got me drunk. Took me to my first strip club. Perfect. Uh, you're, you're you're doing that all in one. Yeah, yeah. They were just like, you're gonna go. Let's just go all the way. And then 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 you know, I I, I went down that rabbit hole for many years. And then not the positive party line, no. but I had a fucking blast. Really? Yeah. yeah, you yeah. Were, so you yeah. it never got. I mean, it, you never. You felt it never got dark. You were. Oh, it got, it got real dark. Okay. Real dark. All right. Just at the be, end. A okay. couple. They were like. They were like. There's uh, peaks and valleys. Yeah. The valleys. There were. There were moments of. Wow. It got real shitty. Real shitty. Right. Uh, quite a few times, but at the end, it got so shitty. I'm actually looking at five years no drinking and three days from two days from now. Oh, two days congratulations! Five years. Yeah. But a lot of the time, especially the beginning, uh-huh. like the first like three or four years, man, it literally like was celebratory every night like sure yes life is fucking awesome i love right. it you know i'm in a van i'm touring i don't have this kind of giant weight of a spiritual movement that i'm kind of <laughs> moving right. with you know what i mean i'm right. like oh, it's on i'm right i'm throwing down and it was yeah and the h2o guys were you know like i say they, they were like brothers from day one it's like everyone supports everyone else everyone lets everyone be whoever they want to be well yeah a, i mean it's definitely yeah like especially like you said, coming from the context yeah. you were coming from yeah. of just being like, yeah. well, I am this person and this is, this is what yeah. I'm doing. It's, it, it's weird too, because I, I knew about Toby before I joined H2O. Okay. And I was like, I was expecting like, like a gangster dude. Of you know course, what I mean? Right. Was, I mean, who he was friends with and stuff I'd heard and all this stuff. And then like, I meet him and I'm like, what? Yeah, you're not this. No, this is like the, 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 the best dude ever. You know what I mean? And it was mm-hmm. like, so it's weird how, as you get closer to things, the perspective could shift a lot. You know, like oh, meeting exactly. people like, you know, Freddie and Hoya. Oh, I was sure. always like, man. And I, I saw I saw Madball's first show in London. I was like, This is the real deal. I was like, this is the real shit right here. You know what I mean? I was like, meeting Roger, I was expecting these people to be like five seconds away from like taking a box cutter to my throat if I even looked at them funny. Mm-hmm. You know? And they're just like gentlemen. Totally. Warm, funny. Right interesting and interested uh-huh. and it was like man this is right 
This awesome. Is, right, right. This is yeah. not this is not yeah. the portrait of the hardened yeah. criminal yeah. that gets painted, you know, out yeah. of narrative in the yeah. game of telephone. Yeah, it's not like the the back, backstage, you know, hanging out behind CBGBs is like G-wing at Rikers. It's right. not, or whatever it is. It's just like it's just like nice people, jokes, laughter. Right. You know. So pretty, <laughs> pretty cool to, to, to get, yeah to be airdropped into that yeah. and, and like you said yeah. come closer to and that. it was also a good time for that too because everyone still lived in New York so it was you would go out and everyone would be out right I mean now it's like we go to New York it's like, this guy lives here this guy lives there no one's really in New York anymore <laughs> right city right um, and so then so then as you were uh, obviously as H I mean I'm not gonna document H2O's career yeah. in regards to the records and everything. When would you say that H2O kind of uh, shifted? Because, I mean, even though you guys are very active still and uh -huh. play all the shows that you can, um, there was a strategic point where you guys were like, all right, we're not a 300 days touring band, right. you know? A couple of things happened. Right. Um, obviously, Toby becoming a father. Yep. He's, he still wants to, well, still tour, like a tour now for sure. Um, yeah. tour them, but, I, but I definitely think that was, priorities are going to shift. You Absolutely. know what I mean? Because, and it wasn't just Toby becoming a father. It was also that Moon could no longer come on tour with us. Right. That was a big thing for Toby. Like, he didn't want to be away from Moon that much, so he kind of... The, re the restructuring yeah, started yeah, to happen. Yeah, right. and then um, I do have to say that, like, Go was kind of like a letting out of air from, from the balloon, so to speak, like a little bit of a deep... You know, because of course. we kind of got this upward trajectory. You know what I mean? First record, people love it. Thicker Than Water, we moved to Epitaph Records, people like it. FDTW comes out, people are stoked, things are good. And it's like, oh man, you know, like things are clicking. Yeah, yeah, things, things are moving. Let's, 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 you know. And then we get asked to sign to a major label, and it was never really like an idea of like we're going to sign to a major label, we're going to become fucking massive. Right, right. Um, I think we were all seasoned enough to know that that wasn't the case. But it was also like, well, everyone else is doing it. You know what I mean? Like, why not us? Take everyone a else, why don't we do it? Like, we've never done it. Let's get on a major label and see what it's like. Let's ride this train. Mm -hmm. you know? Because um, we've been on Epitaph for two records, so that's what, like, five, six years, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. so we kind of knew what was going to happen. Absolutely. So we signed to the major, and, and we do the Go record, and a whole bunch of weird, like, stuff going on, you know. Some people wanted to make a hardcore record. You know, some people wanted to basically make minor threat records. Some sure. people wanted to make, like, more, like, a little bit more, like, esoteric I don't want to say Audi. Audi is such a terrible word, but yeah, it's a, but I, yeah. I understand you wanted to yeah. maybe stretch yourselves yeah. further. Yeah, and some people were talking like, "Hey, what's on the radio? What's on the radio?" You sure. Know? I remember a discussion about seven string guitars, and I was like, <laughs> "Fucking just weird!" Like, <laughs> wow, yeah, because like, yeah, yeah. Papa Roach and Corn, maybe H two O should use seven string guitars. I was right. like, "This is fucked up." Right. No fucking way. It took me enough time to figure out four strings. Do not fucking give me another string to worry about. Totally. Don't do it. Um, right. And. And I feel like, you know, you, you got this kind of thing, like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? It's like, eh, oh, that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Eh. And with major labels, I don't fuck around. They're like, oh, you didn't sell 100,000 copies first week? Next. Yeah. You know, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right. But we're still a yeah, band. Yeah. And then we kind of had some stuff with them. And, and then it just kind of slowed. Like, what are we, you know, once again, what's the point? You, you then know? you started to ask, right. Then you started yeah. to ask the question. Yeah, like, eh, is point? I mean, we're still having fun, but it's like, shows were bigger than ever for Go, which is. Right. But it just never really kind of right materialized. Yeah, it just didn't feel right, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did did you at, at that point? Because um, I actually asked Toby the same question, where it was like, obviously, once um, the notion of slowing down a band starts to kind of enter your mm -hmm. your frame of mind, was it difficult for you to kind of, uh, I guess, transition into some sort of quote unquote real life? Like, um, or did you find yourself being like, well, I can I, just figure out the next thing? I mean, yeah, it was tricky. It was sure. tricky for sure. Um, 
Because there is, I mean, in my experience, the greatest lifestyle you can have is a lifestyle where you go into a play a ton of music, come home, do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, and sure. espe- especially once again, it was a time like in New York City where you would go out on any night of the week and there'd be all these guys that you knew and you go to this place, there'd be all these guys, you know, you know, it felt like it was your city. You know what I mean? Like, totally. It's, it's, it was, it was beautiful. Uh-huh. But, uh, for me, it was, it was all right. I mean, because uh-huh. I was always just me, you know? It didn't really matter. You put me in a band and van, put me behind a bar. It's, I'm a same dude. Right, you know? right. Because I know it's like the, the reason I ask that, because I know so many people, um, you know, I'll speak from my own personal experience too, where it's like you attach your identity with your band. You know, you are, yeah. you're, you're Adam H2O. Yeah, yeah. Like, and then when you are not, when you can't really, you can still reference yourself that, even yeah. though if your band yeah. doesn't exist. But yeah. then like, just that notion of like, Oh, the people that I was friends with that might not treat me the same. Like you know, yeah. like did you experience any of that or people? No, I mean, good. I mean, I for me, I was almost at that point. Like I say, we were all kind of a little not as into it anymore. So right. I think we all mentally had kind of moved on from being like satellites of the H two O band. You know what I mean, right, we all, we all right. like well, I'm me and I'm me. And Toby went and worked a regular job. Right. Rusty focused on his jewelry. I I got into the night you know bar business in New York and ended up managing a bar out there. And got it. Yeah, so you you felt like that you were like, yeah. well, I can I can yeah. take the next yeah. step and not feel like I'm yeah. crippled. By and then it. we just we just still kept playing, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it was fun, but it was really when when it came time to like make a new record, you know, make nothing approved that things got like Keep got exciting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Pumped. Totally. Well, and that I mean that that I feel like it's it's so important for bands like you guys to do what you do because not only are you adults with an interesting perspective playing to essentially kids that are 20 years younger than you. And it, it's, it, it just gives hope that it's like, cause I, I think a lot of people, especially it's like when you start to enter hardcore or punk or whatever, you feel like there's an all or nothing approach where it's just like, I need to be in a band touring 365 days of the year or nothing. And then it's like bands can show now where it's just like, well, we don't, you don't have to do that, but you can still be in people's faces. Like, For sure. like there's that, that, that balance. You have For to strike. Sure. sure. I mean, the scariest thing for a musician is to is I think for me anyway is to have a tour coming up that I'm not excited about. And you're like, man, I gotta go to the office. Yeah. Oof, that's <laughs> shitty. That, and I, and that, that's kind of where we were at the end, you know, like, right, we gotta do this shit again. Right, that's shitty because then you're cheating the audience and you're taking this thing that you're me- that is meant to be precious and pure, and beautiful. Kind of, sh- you're kind of just shitting on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, eh. Like, it shouldn't be this. You should be like, fuck, yeah, we get to go on tour. This is awesome, you know? Right, right. And we kind of had to wait for that to come back. Yeah. It took a little while. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's yeah. a very good point, though. That's a very, that's yeah. a very good way to look at that, because they're definitely, it's real easy to do. When you do something in repetition, it's yeah. real easy to fall in that mindset yeah. of like, oh, I got to do this thing yeah. now. And she's like, where most people would kill to do something like, like that. Like, I read an interview with Tom Araya from Slayer recently. Sure. And he, he was saying it was kind of sad. He's just like, yeah, just doing it. Right. Doing it. Totally. It's gonna keep you know keep on the road, keep making that money. And you're just like, I know. damn son, and you're in Slayer. I know you're fucking massive. It's hard, and have been massive since the '80s. Totally. Yeah. It, it's sad yeah. in a yeah. way yeah. because there's there's definitely that notion where yeah. it's like uh, when a person hits. I mean, especially once you hit a certain age, yeah. where it's just like, what's Tom or I gonna do? Yeah. He, is he gonna go like work yeah. at Starbucks? Like, no, no like he's he, yeah. there's no other path in yeah. his life now. But yeah. like, yeah, so it's it's that yeah. weird. Like yeah. you feel almost trapped by your band. Yeah, in and in in a way, yeah, and it, and. And I would happily take an enthusiastic mindset over a five-star hotel room and a private jet. You know yeah. what I mean? Because you live in your head, man. You don't live in a hotel room. You don't live in a bus. You exist inside your own mind. So if your mind is into it, tour will be awesome. 
your mind is not into it, none of the external shit matters. Right. You're going to be fucking bombed. Dude, well, I, I mean, I think that perspective is solely attached to not only obviously like the seeking like you're talking yeah. about, but then, I mean, honestly, the Hare Krishna lifestyle as well, where it's just like the, the attachment to physical objects. Yeah. And yeah. it's not, that's not meaningful. It's fleeting. No, that's definitely, it's definitely uh, something that I think modern society de-emphasizes. Got to have the good shit. You got to have this. You got to have that. You got to be surrounded by all this stuff. But who's surrounded? Right. Who's the person that's surrounded? Right. That's more important totally. than the shit that's around them. Totally. And it's not even so much from like a, a, a cliche because I, I feel. I mean, obviously, the term PMA is thrown around. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's meaningless now because yeah, it's become it's become a, a term that so many people use. It's lost its original. It totally. It's a, it's, a, it's meaningless. But it's like not even so much. It's like mind frame in which you approach things that is like you said ultimately the most important way you're approaching life. oh absolutely absolutely that that's ab- that's absolutely my outlook on life and i think i think not not to try and beat anyone else but i think it's a yeah. great kind of perspective to come from because if you are not happy yourself nothing else there's no external force that will bring happiness why mm-hmm. would right Money will not, I mean, cheesy, money will not buy you. If you're happy, money will buy you cool shit that'll make you feel fucking awesome. Right. But if you're miserable, mm-hmm. money will not get you out of that hole. In yeah. fact, money will only dig you deeper because you'll keep buying stuff and it will make you even more miserable when that thing you thought would make you happier right. doesn't, and then you feel even more despair. Totally, and then you're weighed down. Yeah, like that Ferrari. Fuck, I still feel shitty. Now I'm even shittier because I got a fucking Ferrari. I'm not even happy. You know? Totally. What so, can I do? Yeah. <clears throat> the last thing I want to hit on was the fact that you, um, personal training like that's been something that's been a part of your life for a while yeah so in that and that how did you uh how did you get into that because i do i think there's a really interesting correlation with a lot of people that do uh you know whatever all, all the philosophies that mm-hmm. are attached to punk and mm-hmm. hardcore straight edge vegetarianism right. veganism, whatever it's like the self-improvement right and i do i notice a lot of people follow that path right so like how did you get introduced well okay so i'll, I'll take a quick aside that's fine because when i was really drinking a lot mm-hmm. i was like i gotta do something on tour or i'm managing a bar you're so, surrounded by alcohol. so literally i'm on tour i get off tour, i go back there's oh hey let's get hammered right. you know when you're the guy in everyone's drinking story hey i was out with adam we got smashed i was out and we got smashed me and adam went out we got drunk this happened i'm like i'm in everyone's story i'm the guy in, i'm the only guy that's in everyone's drunk story right i'm the guy in everyone's story so i'm like all right i gotta stop so i went to acting school in new york I did a summer intensive and I ended up, they ended up asking me to do the two year full-time program. Oh, wow. So that was what I was doing for two years in New York. The last two years I was there. And I was like, and I, I was actually a pretty prestigious Academy. It was grueling as fuck. Like, I was going to say, yeah, it's that, fucking hard. Right. It's hard as shit. Like they don't fuck around. They're like, you suck. Totally. You suck today. Right. Yeah. Oh, that was, that was your job. Yeah. That was shitty. You, you, that was just shitty work today, Adam. And he's like, and, but when you get a compliment, it means the fuck. Of course. Were you doing plays, musicals? What, what sort of discipline? I don't see me. I, I think that's I just, the other guy. I, I don't I, uh, want to assume these I, uh, things. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was plays. But it, was, it was a legit place. It was called Esper Studios. Like, uh, okay. Kathy Bates came out of there. Okay. Um, Jeff Goldblum came out of there. Sam Rockwell came out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Eckert. Like a bunch of like legit dudes. Like of it's course. a real. It's considered like one of the... And I got into it because the guy that owned the... The admissions guy was going to be like, fuck this guy. We ain't going to use him. And he's like, he goes, you're in a bank with H2O? He goes, Todd Morse? I was like, yeah. He goes, Todd Morse my first friend in New York. I was like, no shit. He goes, you're in. I'm like, fuck yeah. Because it was like there was an audition process Absolutely. that I epically felt. It was one of the, another one of those like weird situations. And I remember having a discussion at the end with, when I, I dropped out, 
a semester before graduation because mm-hmm. I don't fucking want to do this. Sure. I'd ask that question again, like, what's the, what's the path? And I'm like, well, running around to seven auditions a day while fucking busting tables? Because there's some acting is hard and there's some talented fucking... There's right. some, like, to be a good actor, even, like, the, the people... Anyone you see on TV is a fucking savage. Oh, absolutely. You can't suck. Yeah, it, you don't to have trip a, into To it. have a career in it. You might, you might stumble into something for a minute, but to have a career in acting, you've got to be fucking... Right, really good. You gotta be good. You can't, you can't stink. And I was right. like, eh, I don't, I don't know if I want to, you know, right. want to swim in that shark tank. Sure. So I remember having a discussion with with the, the head, the head of the, the director of the studio, William Espers, like wanted to talk to me. About it. I was in his class, right? I got put in his class. He's like, why are you dropping out? Eh, I'm just not into it. What do you want to do with your life? Eh, yeah, so I moved to California. That was my thing, to get away from alcohol. But it was like, I just stopped drinking. I stay in New York. I gotta disconnect. I gotta, I gotta get out of here. I gotta to California. He goes, what are you going to do with your life? Move to California. I don't know. Just hang out. What are you going to do with your life? Kept beating me. Fucking wouldn't let up. I felt like a fighter in the corner and this guy's fucking wailing on me. What are you going to do with your life? And he just beat me down. I was like, I just fucking want to make music that makes people dance and smile. And he goes, that's it. That's what you're going to do. Right. I was like, oh shit. And then I went to California. And at the time I was renting out apartments in New York, so back to the personal, how I got to the personal training thing, I was renting out apartments in New York. Above the bar I managed, there was a bunch of apartments, and if you know the bar business or you live above a bar, you know that those apartments are, like, not easy to get occupied. So we were renting them out to tourists. Come to New York for a week. Here's an apartment in a cool neighborhood above a bar, which for a week is cool. Yeah, you're like, I can deal with yeah, that noise. Yeah, sure. um, And we were, make, you know, I was getting a piece of that business, and we sure. kind of did that. That business started to get shitty because New York City's like, huh, all these people are doing that. Let's shut that down because right. New York City likes to stop people of course, making, money, making right? money that they don't get a big chunk of. And I was like, well, I've always worked out. And actually, I was training people in New York. I, was, I studied martial arts for most of my life. So I was doing, I ended up getting a bunch of people that I would train individually. Oh, right. The, the schools I would train at, the academies I would train at in, in Muay Thai and then, or, or, or Filipino martial arts. And then I was like, well, people would just want to lose weight. So I would start doing weight loss stuff and it felt good you know you're helping people improve improve themselves yeah and then when i moved to california and the business i was like i gotta really do something and this is something that i feel like i love and i feel like i feel like it will help me and it will help me help other people so it's totally yeah tick the two boxes and then i went in and studied got my first cert, second cert, you know, just got certed out the ass until sure. it, just, it starts looping around on itself. You know what I mean? You're like, I don't need to study anymore. Um, and then doors just opened like they do when, right. you, when you preparation, you know, an opportunity meet and I started working. And now it's like, now I got a good amount of shit going on, you know? And, sure. I, and it's something that I am very passionate about in regard to how I train other people and how I train myself. Sure. I, I gives me a lot of insight into what we are as humans and the direction we're going, how damaging it is, and how modern life is really fucking us up. Sure. And how we really, you know, really need, you need to make a concerted effort to fight that trend. Absolutely. As an individual and as a trainer, I have to help people fight that trend as well. Um. And I find it somehow correlates to the... It marries well with the music in my mind, like they're neck and neck. You know? Yeah, no, I see exactly what you I mean, I, I really appreciate you kind of putting that framing on it because I do think that there is something that you, you do hit a wall where it's like certain people, no matter what they're involved in, hit a wall where it's just like, like oh, like why am I tired all the time? Like, yeah. why am I, like, like you said, modern life wears people down. 
And if they don't do something to engage themselves, like on that sort of physical yeah. gut level, mm -hmm. it, it, you just waste away into nothing. We're weaklings. They're becoming weaklings. And sure. I mean that, not, I mean, I call it fit shaming. It's fat shaming. I call it fit shaming. I'm not trying to fit shame the world, but right. it's like, it's like most of you are weak as fuck. Right. And, and, and that's not, it's not about flexing your biceps on, on the beach and impressing chicks. No, there's no, hey, no yeah. harm in that. Fuck it. Go for You're it. single fucking right. Go bang, for bang it. on them curls, buddy. Totally. But uh, it's about like there was a there's a, a famous French trainer called um, it's either Georges Herbert or George Herbert however they fucking pronounce it in French. Sure, yeah, yeah. And he had a quote that said, "Be strong to be useful, be fit to be useful." So you almost have a duty to your fellow man to maintain a certain level of physical conditioning. Like if there was an earthquake, right, and this house started to collapse and a piece of rock hit you on the head. I had better fucking be strong enough to pick you up and take you outside this building or I am of little use. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If, there, if I'm in a house that's on fire, I had best be strong enough to pick up a child and climb down the building. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And on, on, on just like a, like a smaller community level, if my neighbor needs help carrying a new you know, couch into the house, I'd certainly hope that I would be maintain a level of physical condition where I'm strong enough to help right. someone else. Totally. And it seems like society really de-emphasizes that especially because we're in such a cerebral state at this point where it's all about like eh, i mean th thank god for crossfit good and bad you know they, they got access people talking about exercise on a much sure. bigger scale but we're in like this mindset where it's almost like eh, i got my iphone i'm gonna sit on the phone i'm gonna sit on on my ipad and watch a movie and then i'm gonna get up and i'm gonna sit in my car and drive to my desk or i'm gonna sit at my desk and i'm gonna get in my car and maybe i'm gonna work out a nap maybe if i'm an animal i'm gonna work out an hour a day five days a week right newsflash ain't anywhere near enough and it's not about moving around it's about 15 minutes here in the morning just fucking stretch go for a run do something with your body your yeah. body's a physical machine take right. it for a t take it for a drive <laughs> totally you know four or five times a day do stuff you don't have to go in the gym and get average but it's like right we need to fight what's happening to us. Yeah. Well, and I, I just, I also like how you're, like you said, there's a connection between the music and a DIY mentality. Like that's yeah. completely intertwined with, Absolutely. like you said, you are literally fighting against the impulses that society is, is putting in front of you. Yeah. And that's the same exact notion as why we all get into like punk and hardcore. For sure. We're pushing against society being like that, all that stuff. Not, not that interested in that. I mean, you re you hit it on the head when you said that punk and hardcore has a big self-development, self-improvement kind of thread running through it. That's mm -hmm. very true. And that's one of the things that attracted me, me to it the most. That's kind of why I, I got out of metal, fell in love with hardcore, was because you could kind of feel that. And sure. when it's done right, when hardcore is done right, and the music has that right energy, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you know, like, I don't like heavy metal influence hardcore i mean i love metal sure and i i wrote a lot of the new h2o record and trust me there's a little metal in there's right, right, yeah. some metal <laughs> shit on it. but not like not like slayer metal you sure. know what i mean like the stuff i grew up on sure um and with that positive message mm -hmm. where it's almost like i would imagine like a devout you know christian feels when they when they get to go to church like you get it's inspirational music sure it really is inspirational music and it lifts you up and it inspires you and makes you want to be better and it exposes you to a lot of ideas you know like vegetarianism totally. veganism right. sobriety yep um community change starting on an individual level like totally. these are incredible these are in these are things that punk that m some of them are mainstream now mm -hmm. but punk and hardcore was it for 
Oh, 100%. Was there first. Well, it's like, I, I, I always look at where it's just like a lot of people, especially in like the sort of like tech community, yeah. like Silicon Valley, like a lot of them, you know, entrepreneur, like, you know, uh, built it themselves, DIY, like that yeah. word gets thrown around because yeah. obviously it's yeah. been co-opted. Yeah. I mean, it's a television network, DIY network, but the the connotation of people in, in Silicon Valley and in the tech world using that same correlation, I'm like, well, yeah, you are building something yourself. But you're building something so you can sell it for a kajillion dollars. Right. Whereas, like, the the notion, especially in punk and hardcore, you're building something, maybe someone's going to show yeah. up. You don't care. You're yeah. just doing yeah. it yourself. Yeah. For sure. But e- even that, I mean, even that shows the, the, the like, they got that whole biohacking thing now. Like, I'm sure. curious. I, I, I've, I follow that stuff. That stuff's interesting to me. Yeah. But it, it shows that there's a deep kind of people looking at themselves and seeing inadequacies and holes in them. You know what sure, I mean? And sure. that's kind of what I was saying. Like, if you're not, if you're not content and happy with you, all the other shit doesn't matter. Totally. And so I, I see that that's kind of slowly spreading from different... You could see that in a lot of different places where people right. are like, man, like, I want to be better. Totally. I just want to be better. Right. I want to be a better person. I want to be... I, I, yeah, I want to I wanna be the out. best me. And, sure. and that's definitely comes from... That's definitely something that was been hardcore and punk for me. Oh, absolutely, no. You know? And it's, yeah, it's just I always, I always reflect on... on uh, my experience, and I know your experience too, where it's just like, I just feel so lucky that I tripped across that. Yeah. I, I mean, I do. Fuck. I can't. I mean, I, I, I do like this weird, like, I do like a door number one, door number two thing all the time. Like, I'm always like, what if it didn't happen? You did, I it, do, early, you did it earlier in the interview. Yeah, I, what if, it literally happens. Like, that one, the, the, what if I didn't stop drinking? I do that every day. Yeah. Where would I be right now if I didn't stop drinking? What, right. Where would that train of be right now and, right. I, and i see it and it's fucking grim right and uh <laughs> you're like and I, i'm so glad I didn't and then and then honestly when i really think about what i would have done if i hadn't discovered punk and hardcore it's that train that same train is just a hell of a lot further down the track yeah. you know what i mean sure and probably off the rails right right. yeah probably been derailed as a young <laughs> yeah um but it's crazy man like it it, it it impacts people's lives in such a such a dramatic way and it's weird how 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 as it grows, you mm-hmm. find people in all kinds of walks of life that, you know, were in it and out of it, and they never it never left them. Oh, like Moby, like totally. Um, Moby's a friend of mine. Moby fucking loves hardcore. Absolutely, you know what I mean. You're it's like, never left him. Yeah, it's like. But your average person would yeah. look at him. You're like, oh, I don't yeah. have it. But it's like, oh yeah, yeah. I like you. And the minute like two people that are from it meet, oh dude, you can even chat. It's a short. You got something. It's fu- yeah. f- like less yeah. than a minute. You'll be like, yeah. oh, we're on the same yeah. level. Yeah. We're on yeah. the same page." I yeah. remember we did a tour with uh, One Day as a Lion, which was Zach De La Rocha's band. We were like, it was a festival tour, you know. Yeah. And Toby and Zach just started chopping it up, like, "Oh, sing about all Quilla biscuits." Totally. You did today, you know, and it's just like that's yeah. it. Like, there's your common ground, and that common ground will lead you to so many other places. Totally. Because those bands are all about more than just music. Mm-hmm. So when you speak about those bands, you automatically can assume that you have similar. Right. You've been, you might not have the same lifestyle, but you've been exposed to the same ideas. So you're the kindred yeah. spirits in one way or another. No, totally. I, I, I couldn't say that any better. Yeah. Adam, this has been awesome. Thank I you. Really, really enjoy this. Thanks, we, man. We chopped it up in, in ways I wasn't expecting to go down. Thanks. So. <laughs> I hope you liked it. That's fine. It's my first time doing one of these, actually. Oh, re- yeah. oh I am. I, you popped my podcast cherry. So that was Adam. I honestly didn't even know that he played in Shelter during the time when I was obsessed with the band. Like, Shelter's mantra was such a huge record for me. So I kind of had to do a recalibration in the middle of the interview to be like, oh gosh, I'm talking to a person who played bass on 
one of my probably top 20 records of all time. Holy moly. So, anyways, that was funny. But, uh, yeah, thank you very much, Adam. And thank you to my good friend Stephanie, who is his publicist and his band's publicist, for hooking this up. I appreciate that. I doubt she's actually listening to this part, but still. Hopefully she feels the, uh, the love that is being emanated to her. So, anyways, the producer, as always, standing by my side, digitally, forevermore, Tom Richfield, our producer and editor. He does such a great job, and I can't uh, thank him enough for all of the things that he does for the show. Visit the show, 100wordspodcast.com. We have a website, obviously, and you will be able to get more information and see uh, see cool stuff. And uh, email the show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. Phew. All right, I promise I will be a little less manic on the, uh, the next show. And, um, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to reveal some more information on, uh, you know, exciting moves in my life. Until next week, be safe, everybody. 